Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside of the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey here on this Sunday morning. Good morning, Michael. How are we doing? Uh, we're good, Femi. We're good. Hopefully you are staying cool. I, I understand that you're headed for that record high today, so yeah. hopefully you'll stay in so indoors at Circa and let all that air kind of get into your body there. It'll be good for you. Man, I, I mean, we're talking 116, maybe even 17. It's <laughs> the kind of heat that we're going to experience today. Is, uh, it's unprecedented, even here for Las Vegas. As hot as it gets in the summer, it usually doesn't get this hot. This is going to be my third summer here now in Vegas, and uh, I have not experienced what it's been like. I mean, yesterday morning when I was driving home after the show, it's like 100 degrees at 9 in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, God damn, man. Wow. It's, well, it's, I mean, look, it's like wintertime. It's like wintertime here. When it gets like yeah. 20 degrees, is, does it matter if it's 20 or if it's 14? You're not going outside anyway. Nope. Does it matter if it's 115 or 105? You're not going outside, right? No. So, really, it's just a talking point. So, just stay inside, enjoy yeah. it. You know, you know, get ready, get ready for the NFL season that's yeah, about my, to embark upon us. Got my water. I'm hydrated. You know, we're ready to go and uh, yeah. stay the ice water, get some AC, and we'll uh, watch a little bit of sports here on this Sunday morning. Uh, it's been a fun, already an electric Sunday morning. Rory McIlroy, congratulations to him. He won the Genesis Scottish Open overseas early this morning with a birdie, birdie on 17 and 18. Ripping out the hearts of uh, Bobby McIntyre, who was the Scottish yeah. uh, native. We thought that he was going to go ahead and pull it off on his home soil. But Rory McIlroy, who had been knocking on the door for quite some time this season on Sunday, finally comes through and now has some momentum, at least yeah. on the surface, heading into the year's final major next weekend. Well, it goes to Liverpool, you know, where the course mm -hmm. he's won there before in 12. So, you know, you got to feel like he's got the, with the play in on the Lynx course in Scotland. Now he transitions in there. So he's got to feel pretty comfortable. Although how often in, in golf does one, the win in a tournament carry over to the next tournament. Right. Mm -hmm. But at least in this one, it, the terrain, the wind, the weather, all those things are kind of similar. 
whether they stay similar, who knows? Because we know at, at Royal Liverpool that the weather, if it's the, if it's calm, it's an easy course. If that you know ocean starts to heat up and start, wind starts blowing and rain comes in, all of a sudden it'll be a challenge. Yeah, the wind is the only defense uh, over there in the Open Championship. Like you mentioned, if it's not windy, these guys can really score pretty low. And we'll see how that all unfolds. We'll talk to TG about that coming up later on this week to get a little preview of the Open Championship. But we have a fun show on deck over these next two hours. Brian Costello, Jets reporter over the New York Post, will join us in 30 minutes. Boy. The Jets, uh, that, that's, it, they've been the topic of conversation all throughout this offseason. Hard Knocks is on the way out in the Meadowlands. We'll talk to Brian about all of it coming up here at 10.30 Eastern. 11.15 Eastern, 8.15 Pacific. Our buddy Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director over at the Borgata. Always a pleasure to chat with TG. And then at 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific, Mia O'Brien, Jaguars reporter for 1010XL down there in Duval County. Talk all things Jaguars. Can they, can they go from good to great? We'll ask Mia O'Brien about that also, about Evan Ingram and the franchise tag deadline that is 24 hours away for those franchise tag guys to sign long-term extensions, Michael. So that'll be a fun conversation with Mia. Always a, a bundle of energy whenever we talk to Mia O'Brien over there at 1010XL. Yeah, no question. But uh, let, let's no just... Question. I, my yeah. question to you is, is Jacksonville good? See, I, mm. I'm not sure they're actually good. I know they made the playoffs. They were 9-8 and eight last year. You know, are they really good? You know, we keep saying they're going to go from good to great. 9-8, and eight, I don't know if that's good. They were in a very, very fortunate division in the South where Tennessee collapsed. But I keep going back to that game against uh, Joshua Dobbs in the last game of the season against the Titans where mm -hmm. they barely won that game. And then when you study their team and look at their numbers, I I'm not sure they're good. I, I, I think they have to improve. The win total at 9.5, I, I think the only reason it's at 9.5 is because of the South. If they were in the North, it would be 7.5. So I, I think to me, this is circumstantial that they're good. I'm not saying they are good. You know, it's, it's funny because the underlying metrics, at least in the first half of last season, really liked Jacksonville as that team that could potentially surprise in the AFC South. And despite the record, I think they got out to like, what, a two and six start? Yeah, they started two and six through yeah. eight weeks. But the underlying metrics and some of the uh, more model-based betters would still bet Jacksonville. Like, oh, we still believe this team can be something. And... They were fortunate at the second half of last season. Now, they did win some games to their credit, but I thought it was pretty fortunate them getting into the playoffs. And it was almost as if yeah. it's the confirmation bias of, oh, that's the team that we all thought that we were going to see. And now there's more confirmation bias of, okay, now they're going to take that next step. Because it feels like this Jacksonville momentum dates all the way back to last season when all those uh, model-based handicappers were talking about how this is a team that's much better than what their record was. Right. Well, let's just think about this, right? Jacksonville finished 10th in the National, 11th in the National Football League in points per play, right? The Raiders were 12th, and they were just literally, literally almost tied with them. And New England was very, right there. So the, the difference between what you believe to be a playoff team and the perception and the ones that you think are going to completely fall apart is so small. It's a play mm -hmm. here, a play there. And I think we get carried away with there's a domination there. There's a fan's mentality that, oh, my God, they dominated. No, I'm not sure they did. You know, I'm not sure they did. Look, the two teams that were tremendous, Kansas City, Philly, we know that, right? Yeah. But I, I think that that pack, it all comes down to two or three plays during the season. And all of a sudden you get labeled good when maybe you're really not good. You're just kind of in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And, and even the people who are numbers-based and all that who love Jacksonville – 
everyone is susceptible to confirmation bias. And the second half of last season, you everyone just kept seeing Jacksonville win, win, win. And it's as betters, oftentimes, we remember what we just saw last, and everybody thinks that we're going to carry that momentum into 2023, and here we go. Weak division, manageable yeah. schedule, we're going to the moon, Jaguars winning the AFC South. But it's, as we say in NFL, it's not not that easy. And going from good to great, whether I, they are I, good or not, I mean, we'll see if they can accomplish I think that. The win against your, I think the win against your Cowboys in overtime kind of – gave this yeah. perception to them, you know, because remember they lost to Detroit 40 to 14 in Detroit. They got killed. Right? Nobody <laughs> was thinking they were going to be a playoff team, right? And then they come back and they play at home against Dallas and we know, you know, Dallas kind of gave them that game. And then they beat the Jets, they beat the Texans and they beat the Titans three wins in a row against really teams picking in the top 10, right? Mm -hmm. And there you go. So, again, it comes back to are they really good? Are they really good? You know, it's this perception that we have. And when you look at their schedule, it wasn't a, a, a tough schedule. I mean, you know, they, they, they struggled. They beat Baltimore in a, in a game that was could have gone either way, right? They beat Dallas in a game that should have gone the other way. But they are what they are, and we'll see what they do. But I, I would urge people to not just assume that all of a sudden they're just going to carry over. Yeah, I think that's been a theme for us here throughout this offseason as it pertains to the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the teams that is probably their direct competitors in that AFC South is the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans have been linked to free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Now, Hopkins, mm -hmm. the odds over at DraftKings, because you can bet on this, and it's been out there for the last six weeks ever since Hopkins was released by the Arizona Cardinals to bet on his next team. Well, we've seen a lot of movement in this market. At first, everybody thought it was going to be Buffalo or KC. Then we thought that it was going to be Cleveland, and all of a sudden New England, and then Tennessee takes back into this thing. But now Kansas City is starting to gain a little bit of momentum, at least in the betting market. Right now, the current odds, the Tennessee Titans are minus 115 to sign DeAndre Hopkins. The Chiefs are down to plus 115. There's been a lot of Chiefs money coming in for Hopkins over the last couple of days, probably due to some emojis that were shared between Chris Jones and DeAndre Hopkins on Instagram. That's how silly this can all be in a market like this. But no. uh, where do you think yeah. this is? Where, where do you think we're but headed? I do think they're linked together. Okay. I do think they're linked together. I, I think if Chris Jones gets his contract done and frees up cap room, it then allows them to get into the Hopkins. So let's go back. I mm -hmm. think past performance predicts future achievement, right? So we know this. They wanted to sign Smith-Schuster. They wanted him back. Yep. And and why wouldn't they want him back? I mean, you know, the guy had the guy had 78 catches last year. You know, he averaged 12 yards a catch. Even though he only had three touchdowns, he was a good player for him last year. They wanted him back. They couldn't afford him at that point. They wanted to revamp their offensive line, which they felt they needed to do, and they did. And they put their money into that. So, you know, they but they wanted Smith-Schuster. You know, they've got Tony there, Kadarius Tony, but can he stay healthy? Does he love football? There's a concern there. Sky Moore, how good can he be? Hopkins is really a guy that could replace Smith-Schuster in the slot. He could mm -hmm. be that other receiver for them, and Andy Reid will get him the football. Mm -hmm. So knowing that they wanted Smith-Schuster back but couldn't offer what New England offered, to me, lends me to think that if they redo Chris Jones's deal, free up cap room, they can then get Hopkins. And I think Hopkins, if I were playing this, I, I have said this before, Buffalo and Kansas City were in the trade market for Hopkins in mm -hmm. the offseason. They couldn't get it done. But I, do, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Hopkins signs with the Chiefs. Do you think that Kansas City can get up to the money that maybe Tennessee is offering? 
because Tennessee is still right now the favorite, I, and that's the team that's been talked about as the most aggressive in pursuit of Hopkins. I think this is going to have to be a little bit like the Smith-Schuster, right? So, you know, they tried to get close the gap on what New England was offering Smith-Schuster. They just couldn't quite get there. It was just so much difference in money that, you know, how do you do it? Tennessee, a non-income, a state income tax state. So that's an advantage for the Titans, right? So whatever number they put in there, there's no state income tax on it, as opposed to Missouri. So that I know that doesn't sound like it should be important to fans, but it is important mm, to the players, it's right? It's important to everyone. And, <laughs> and I think, to me, it depends on the incentives and how mm. they plan on using Hopkins. I mean, with Kelsey, Kelsey can still play on the outside. You know, and Kelsey can go inside. I mean, think about it. Kelsey averaged 12.2 yards of catches at tight end, which is significantly different than, you know, some of these guys like Keenan Allen, who average right around 10, who play in the slot. Yeah. No, if, if they can get Chris Jones done, and it sounds like there's a lot of positive momentum with that Chris Jones contract with the negotiations. And we talked yesterday about how the defensive tackle market is pretty much set. It shouldn't be too hard to get it done. Maybe that means Hopkins is the next domino to fall over there at Arrowhead Stadium. We're going to get to what's on Michael's mind next here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe on VSEN, the sports betting network. Tell you what, it's always football season here at VEASAN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide. It's July 16th, and you can get our guide right now. Our NFL betting guide will help you get ahead of the upcoming season with in-depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for the low, low $19 and get your digital copy for the VEASAN NFL betting guide or take advantage of our summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. That's months of content for just $175. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Michael Lombardi out in New Jersey. Femi Abebefe hanging out here in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Circa Resort and Casino. And joining us now, our first guest on the program. He covers the New York Jets and has been a beat writer for the Jets since 2011 for the New York Post. It's Jets beat writer Brian Costello here joining us this morning. Brian, we appreciate you taking the time here and waking up with us here. And I want to start off with the Quinn and Williams contract. Four years, $96 million, 66 guaranteed. How did this all come together right before training camp? Well, you know, as Michael can attest to, deadline spur action, right? And I always kind of felt like training camp was the deadline. They didn't care if Quinn and Williams missed the spring. Yeah, this is his third season with the system. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, OTAs basically have no function for linemen anymore. They do, you know, positional drills. There's no real hitting or anything. So they weren't worried about that. So they, they wanted him to be there for this week when the training camp. So I think that's what moved things along. The, you know, I thought we thought this was going to happen. The Jets were trying to lock him up for five years. Uh, I didn't think they would be able to pull that off because everyone else is on a four-year deal. You know, Quinnen was looking for a little more money than he got, but the compromise was, uh, you know, four years, $24 million, which I think is, is good. He beats Jeffrey Simmons, the only defensive tackle making more money than him is Aaron Donald. And that's about right. So, um, you know, and then Chris Jones is going to come in and beat Quinnen Williams at some point. That's how this just kind of felt like the negotiation dance for the last few months, but there was no acrimony. Uh, I was thought it was going to get done and it just got done because training camp was looming. Brian, you know, they, they're carrying Corey Davis at, t- I think over $10 million of salary yeah. as the fourth receiver. Maybe he's the, f- no, actually with Randall Cobb on the team, he's going to be the fifth receiver, <laughs> you know? And so, how long are they going to keep this going? When will they t- either cut Davis or ask him to take a pay cut? And do you think they'll take Davis's money and transition that into Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I've been waiting for that to happen, Mike. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I have not been able to get a straight answer. They kind of dance around. Oh, he's a good player, but you know, he's not. He's not an eleven million dollar player at this point. And Alan Lazard is basically the same player. Uh, he's redundant now, so I don't really understand. I thought they would try to get Corey to, you know, play for $5 million or $6 million and, and threaten to cut him. Maybe that's still going on. Maybe it happens this week before camp. In terms of where the money would go, I really think they need the money because they have to restructure Aaron Rodgers' contract. Aaron Rodgers right now is supposed to be getting a $1 million this year and $106 million in 2024. You know, that's not the way it's going to happen. They have to redo his deal. I think they're going to need a little cap space to, to get that done. So I always thought Corey Davis's money would go towards that. Um, with Dalvin Cook, I think if the Jets do go down the Dalvin Cook road, it's going to be on the cheap. I think they're going to they're going to wait and see if his price comes down, and then they would sign them. I don't think they would sign them for something that's going to be a sizable chunk of their salary cap. So the Davis thing is a mystery to me, though. I I just I 
I thought he'd be gone in March. I can't believe we're still here in July talking about Corey Davis on the team. We're speaking with Brian Costello, Jets beat reporter for the New York Post. Brian, obviously with Aaron Rodgers now in the fold, there's been high expectations all throughout this offseason for the New York Jets. They've been probably the most talked about team in the NFL. Their win total over at BetMGM is set at nine and a half. They're expected to make the playoffs. They're one of the dark horse kind of contending teams to win the Super Bowl. If it was not to work out this season for the Jets, what do you think would be the reason as to why? Well, the obvious one is injuries, but beyond that, I think offensive line play doesn't come together. There's a big roll of the dice on the offensive line right now. I look at Elijah Vera Tucker as really the only sure thing they have, and he's coming off of the torn triceps. Other than him, they've got, uh, you know, Mekhi Becton is a huge question. Dwayne Brown is coming back from surgery. Lakin Tomlinson had a really poor year in his first year with the Jets. The center is a question mark. So the offensive line is shaky, and if they can't protect Rodgers, that could be the downfall of the team. I also look at the defense, and I think people kind of go, okay, they were the number four defense last year. That means they're going to be the number four defense this year. But if you look closely at the Jets' season last year, there was a lot of backup quarterbacks they faced on the schedule, and the defense kind of fattened up on some of them. So I would I would not be surprised if there's a regression on the defense this year, and that could hurt them too. Uh, they got a tough schedule. So, uh, you know, I, I think – I know the expectations are high, but there's there's I can see a few things that could go wrong for this team. You know, I, I'm with you on this offensive line, Brian. Like, I don't understand it. I mean, Becton, do we even know if he's in shape? I mean, that's the one thing. And then he's never been able to stay healthy. Look, I think he's one of the most dominating run blockers when he wants to play football, but that doesn't always happen. Yeah. And then can they really count on Dwayne Brown to stay healthy? You know, to me, they made – you know, one of the things I think got lost this offseason was LaFleur and the former line coach were very close friends with Sala. Those two firings really took a lot out of Salah. How do you see this new offensive line transitioning? Yeah, it's a huge question, Mark, and I really it's going to be the biggest. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the biggest story of the Jets universe in all facets, but beyond Rodgers, the offensive line is going to be the story of training camp and how this comes together. Because Beckton is in shape. He's in physical shape. He's down He's about 340 pounds right now, which, you know, that, that might not sound great to people, but he was around 400 pounds last year. So he's lost a lot of weight. He's worked. He's not in football shape, though. He has, he, this last game he played was the first game of the 2021 season. He has not played a football game since then. He got hurt before the preseason started last year. So, you know, I, we've, we've seen guys that they missed a, a year or, or he's basically missed two years. You don't just walk right back in and play football. Um, it takes a while to get get back, so he's got to get back into football shape. And yeah, Dwayne Brown, you know, hurt his shoulder last year in Week One. So I think he's 38 years old now. Uh, big question mark to me there. Does, you know, does does Becton, Becton and Brown, are they going to fight for left tackle? I mean, Brown's played left tackle his whole career. I can't see him playing anywhere else. And then Becton has been made been very vocal. He doesn't want to play right tackle. So they, they have a lot to manage in this situation. And they signed Lakin Tomlinson last year to a big $40 million contract, and he did not play like that last year. So can he bounce back? They drafted the center out of Wisconsin in the second round. Does he win the job over Connor McGovern? But then you have a rookie center. So there's a lot of question marks on this offensive line. And, you know, with a 39-year-old quarterback behind them, as even though he's a future Hall of Famer, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something to watch. We've been talking over the last few days about the hard knocks. Now it's official. The Jets are going to be the team for hard knocks. But it sort of feels like they're doing this kind of kicking and screaming, and they didn't really want to raise their hands and be the team that says, hey, we'll go ahead and be the the team that you can feature on hard knocks. Uh, Do you think they're going to end up embracing this over the next five to six weeks or so, or is this going to be something that 
ends up lingering over them and ends up becoming a distraction, quote-unquote, because we know that teams don't really like the cameras all around their training camp? I don't think it would be a distraction. Um, you know, there's, it's, this isn't 2001 anymore when Hard Knocks started. There's cameras. The Jets have cameras everywhere, right? Like like the the in-house production team. They're always being filmed with stuff. Where I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Jets handle this is the teams have a lot of control over Hard Knocks. They control what gets on Hard Knocks. They control where the cameras are. I The sense I'm getting is the Jets are going to be very restricted with hard knocks and not let them everywhere. So you might not see the meeting rooms. You might not see the head coach's office. You might not see when the player gets cut, like these standard things we've seen through the years on hard knocks. Uh, this is at least how the jets felt before it officially came down. Uh, now that it's official, do they relent a little bit and say, all right, it's, it's, we, we got to do this. Let's just, you know, make the best of it maybe, but they were, they were, when they were talking to the NFL, I know they were saying things like, you know, you're not going to be in the meeting rooms. Uh, we're not going to do that. You're, you're not going to get access. They, they could say, you're not going to get access to Aaron Rodgers. How does that change? Mm. They have no interviews with Aaron Rodgers, you know? Yeah. So they, they, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. I, I just, I find it hard to believe that hard knocks will be a distraction for them because they have control over what gets on hard knocks. You're not going to see anything they don't want you to. That's what creates distraction is when things get out of the building that teams don't want you to. So, Brian, we got about a minute left. I want to know honestly now. When Sala said that they're one of the six of the eight teams competing for a Super Bowl when the franchise has only been to the playoffs 13 times since 1968, did you laugh a little? A little bit, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, it's the Aaron Rodgers effect, though, right? I mean, Roger said that, so Sala has to back him up because Roger said that on day one. But, yeah, I mean, baby steps to me. Like, make the playoffs. Yeah. I, one question I've gotten a lot since Rodgers is, uh, what's what's a successful season look like for the Jets? It's making the playoffs. I you guys said it you yeah. when you introduced me. You introduced me. I've covered this team since 2011. I have not covered one playoff game since I've covered this team. Wow. Yeah. It, right. Like I, <laughs> I've had a child since then. I, it's, a, it's been a long time, right? This, 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 the Jets playoff drought is, is about to hit puberty. Right. That, that's how long they have to the playoffs. So make the playoffs. And then we can talk about the Super Bowl. You know. well, well, hopefully you'll be oh, working into awesome. mid-June or mid-January. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Jets will be playing in the postseason. Oh, yeah. He is Brian Costello trying to cover his first playoff game Thanks, with the Brian. New York Jets. You can check out his work over Great at the job, New York Post. Man. Great stuff there, Brian. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> he said it's, it's hit puberty almost <laughs> for the New York Jets. This playoff That's drive. true. That's a hell of a I mean, line. It's true. <laughs> That's good stuff. We'll be back on the other side. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VSEN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSEN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VSEN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi, hanging out here on this Sunday morning. And joining us now, she is uh, the unofficial mayor of Duval County. 
over there at 1010 XL mm. Jaguars beat reporter Mia O'Brien joining us now here on the Lombardi line. Mia, we appreciate you taking the time this morning. We know that you're you're traveling right now, so thank you. Double thanks for uh, for doing this and fitting us in your schedule here, but when you take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, I mean, and it's it's the kind of the first time in about 5-6 years where they've had this big expectations to win the division. Do you think that Jacksonville can handle those expectations now in year two with Doug Peterson as the head coach? Thanks, Sonny, and thanks, Michael, uh, for that glowing introduction. I don't want to offend, though, our brand-new mayor, Donna Deegan, who was officially sworn in July 1. <laughs> After all, let's be real, the Jaguars need her to sign off on a brand-new stadium or a renovated stadium, I should say, but I digress. No, you bring up a great point, which is this is the first time since 2018 that this team has picked to win the division to be a competitor in the AFC race. Uh, that was when I actually arrived here in Jacksonville. It was actually about five years ago this moment that I was sitting in this very airport, I think at this very gate, uh, when I interviewed and eventually made the move here to Jacksonville and of course was told I'd be covering a Super Bowl contender and as we all know uh, they went five and 11 that year I think the difference between 2018 and 2023 it sounds so elementary but it's so true the Jaguars did not have a quarterback and a head coach in 2018 with all due respect to Blake Bortles and Doug Marone they have a quarterback and a head coach now in Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and if you have that I mean that is the the one way to remain competitive for years and years to come in the National Football League so, Mia, let's talk about, you know, let's uh, – I, I started the show today saying, are we sure they're good, right? I mean, I know they had the big win against Baltimore, comeback win, the Dallas overtime win, but, you know, they got destroyed by Detroit 40-14. to 14. So let's talk, in your mind, defensively, how are they better than they were last year? Yeah, that's a million-dollar question because did they just catch lightning in a bottle? Did they have a easy back end of the schedule, especially playing the beat up Titans twice in their final five games? There's a lot of people, especially nationally, that are saying that. And with good reason, because they've done nothing to retool that defense, aside from banking on one more year of these players being in Mike Caldwell and his coaching staff system. That's really what they truly believe will be the difference between 2022 and 2023, is that the team you saw the last six weeks of the season, especially once Darius Williams made the move from the inside to the outside corner, his natural position he played with the Los Angeles Rams and Tyson Campbell's continued ascent. Th that is the team that you will see. Now, obviously, they were second in the league in quarterback pressures and almost near the bottom when it came to sacks. That's the same exact situation the Philadelphia Eagles, as you may recall, found themselves in in 2021. They banked on continued development. Oh, and adding a guy by the name of Hassan Reddick and bringing Brandon Graham back from injury. The Yankees, or the Yankees, wow, that's how you know I'm in an airport right now. The Jaguars <laughs> did not do that. And so that is that is why, because I'm talking to you, Michael, um, the, the Jaguars did not add any pieces. And so that's where I don't know if those comparisons between the 2021 to 2022 Eagles and the 2022 Jaguars 2023 can really be made. But that's what the Jaguars coaching staff is banking on. We're speaking with Mia O'Brien, Jaguars reporter for 1010XL there. Well, you mentioned that they haven't made those signings, but could they bank on the development of Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick last season? Showed some flashes, but wasn't the guy that they kind of expected, at least when you get a number one overall pick. What's kind of the conversation around Walker heading into year two? Yeah, he's one of the biggest question marks and one of the biggest, if he succeeds, the team will succeed guys on the entire roster. Um, I think that what will be fascinating to see is not only Trayvon expected to make this sophomore leap, but you also have Josh Allen in a contract year. You also have, in the Jaguars' opinion, a healthy Foley Fadukasi coming back along the defensive front. Devon Hamilton, also at the nose tackle position, has a brand new contract. And then Roy Robertson-Harris, they really believe that his best football is ahead of him. And so if those guys can perform at a high 
high level. They believe that will elevate Trayvon's game. And I think Trayvon's just such an interesting talking point because is he ever going to be a double-digit sack guy? I don't believe he will be. But I believe if he's the straw that stirs the drink and he creates pressure and is an amazing run defender, you play in the AFC South. You face Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, and Damian Pierce twice a season. If he can provide you that, then yes, that is a very important piece to have on your roster. Mia, I thought the trade for Calvin Ridley at the trading deadline last year was one of the best trades made. Nobody, you know, because it didn't have an instant impact on the team, nobody really gave it a lot of attention. But if Ridley can go back to the player he was in 19, you know, this gives them three big-time receivers, with Ridley, to me, being the best receiver on the team. What have you seen from OTAs and minicamp of Ridley, and has he gotten his game back? Yeah, that's, you know, that is another big X factor for this team, Michael, because many believe, and I've heard this from a lot of national pundits, and I've heard this from former players, that Calvin Ridley, when at his peak, may be the best route runner in the National Football League. From what I saw at OTAs in the offseason period, he is as hungry as ever. He was at every possible workout. He's with Trevor Lawrence company right now out in Arizona as they're getting extra work in. Uh, from what I've heard from coaches personally in the building, um, you know, they have said that Calvin Ridley wants more and more, whether that's more interviews, more community stuff, more whatever it is. He just wants to be in the building. He wants to be contributing to this team, both on and off the field. And I think that off the field is really important because this is a guy who football, it wasn't just that he was hurt. It was that football was literally taken away from him. And I think that most of us have never experienced anything like he went through. And so I think it gave him some true perspective. Now the question is, will there be enough touches to go around? Will everyone stay happy? Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are two dudes that really don't have a lot of ego to them. And so that's where I think they'll be able to maybe not catch the 80 plus balls they did a season ago and still be very content so long as the Jaguars succeed on the field. Christian Kirk said he could be wide receiver seven. If they win the Super Bowl, he doesn't care. Well, let's talk about another pass catcher for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's Evan Ingram right now. There's 24 hours to sign a long-term extension for these franchise tag guys. Based on what you're hearing, talking to coaches or talking to people down there in Duval County, do you think they get a long-term deal done with Evan Ingram, or is he going to play 2023 on the tag? Yeah, it's interesting because I think right now, at least from my last check-in, they're still at the table. Both sides are still interested in getting this long-term deal done. It's just a matter of can they beat the clock. Um, that was the case three, four weeks ago when I last checked in, that they still were just waiting it out to see if they could find some middle ground. What's unfortunate is by many accounts from what I heard, they thought they had a middle ground in late May, and it just didn't come to fruition. Evan Ingram even sent a tweet saying, oh, I thought this was when the Jaguars tweeted something and tagged him in it. He legit tweeted, oh, I thought this was the tweet because he thought there was a deal done. And so, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate if he does play on the tag. If he does, I don't think he's upset. It's unfortunate because the Jaguars have so many dudes to pay next year. And so that is where, will they have the money? If you have to pay Trevor Lawrence, you have to pay Tyson Campbell, pay Walker Little, Andre Cisco. That 2021 draft class, if you look back, it may go down as one of the best draft classes in this franchise. And perhaps even the NFL's history, they hit on all five of their first picks, all five are starters, or at least Walker Little will be in the initial start of the 2023 season. And so if you have to pay all those guys, will you still have some left over for Evan Ingram, especially when you also drafted a tight end in Brenton Strange in the second round this past April? Yeah, I mean, you got to believe that Ingram feels like he's getting cheated on the franchise tag because he's really a wide receiver, right, Me, I mean, I, I mean, I see him. He's in the slot. He plays extended. You know, to me, it's a little bit like I got to take this receiver, uh, tight end deal like Kelsey, but I'm really a wide receiver. 
Yeah, I think that's it. But it's so interesting because I've heard reports that he wants, quote, David Njoku money, which is about $14 million. So obviously make 11 this year, which is where it's kind of splitting hairs because if the Jaguars could give him an $11 million annual salary, even if I'll say $9 million of it is a signing bonus, like would he still take it? It really just feels like they're splitting hairs right now. And if he really does want to be in that Kelsey class, hell, I think Travis Kelsey's underpaid. I think by many mm-hmm. accounts, George Kittle may be underpaid. Uh, the tight end room in general, tight end position in general across the league for what those elite of the elite guys do, they do, like you said, they are more of a wide receiver, and yet wide receivers are getting contracts in the $20 million range per year, and yet these guys are not. And so, yes, I understand why Evan Ingram would want that money, um, but if Travis Kelsey's only making, what is it, $15, $14 million a year? Like, I mean, I mean, even if it's 18, I think it actually, George Kittle might be 18. Listen, again, I think you're splitting hairs at that point, but also you need to recognize your worth. So I also appreciate that about him. But Evan is also, for what it's worth, with the rest of the Jags receiver contingent in Arizona. So trust me when I say it's all, you know, kumbaya between him and the roster. It's just curious to see how he and his agent and Trent Balky are able to maybe bring something to fruition Monday afternoon. Hey, Mia, we got about 25 seconds left. Do the Jags go over the win total of nine and a half? Ooh, that's a good question. I say yes, only because you're playing an AFC South that's rebuilding across the board, and you have the fortune of playing the NFC South, which I think the Falcons could be sneaky, and I think the Panthers could be too, but I do think the Jaguars will have the benefit of that easy schedule. All right. She is Mia O'Brien. Check her out over at 1010XL. Safe travels, Mia. We'll talk to you soon. I'm sure the Jaguars will be the topic of conversation later on this season. All be well, Mia. You guys are the best. Thanks, Mia. Awesome stuff there from Mia there. Jacksonville, I mean, on the surface, there's a lot of good pieces that you would like. I, I, me, I'm still skeptical of the defense and the offensive line. We didn't get to it with Mia, but the O-line could be a little bit shaky as well for Jacksonville with the Cam Robinson suspension. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.